Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He woke up first. I woke up screaming first. It took him a while to find me because everything was, everything's night vision at that stage. You know, we know we know the bomb's gone off. We don't know who's around us, but we can still see. Damien Tomlinson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks Such a pleasure. Me. Only met you oh, a few months ago when you got to the Sydney Kings and we presented you with our hero of the game, basketball autographed. Yeah. And then we met again at a party and I'm like, hey, I know this dude from somewhere. But, mate, you are such an incredible human being. Everything you've done, I've, um, I've been reading your book without warning and uh, your stories, well, for a start, it's pretty messed up. But, well, <laughs> what happened to you in uh, Afghanistan where you, you lost your legs and then you, you're going through all of that, just to summarise, and then once you've rejuvenated, decided to become a professional snowboarder, <laughs> had an accident doing that. You know, what am I going to do now? I'm, I'm going to become an actor. Then you're in a movie <laughs> with the legendary Mel Gibson directing Hacksaw Ridge. I'm going to get you home. Uh, Amazing. Mean, uh, there's a lot of gaps in the middle of that. There was a lot of no, no. That's all we've got time for. I'm sorry. Thanks. Okay. Thanks so Thanks much, very Damien. Thanks for watching. Really, really appreciate your time, Mike. It's great, mate. Um, far out. I just got to say, uh, I, I really uh, admire your strength and your courage. And uh, and after reading the book and and uh, seeing the trials and tribulations of uh, everything you've been through, you're uh, an amazing human being. How does it feel to be alive? I have great people around me. I mean, it feels great to be alive. You know, when you know that you can rely on the people that are around you, it's a it's a it's a really good feeling. You know, and it kind of backs you and backs your own decisions. So. Mm. Uh, the snowboarding decision was one when I was getting out of the army. I originally wanted to redeploy, mm. but my body just wasn't up to it at that level. Like mm. serving at a special forces level for mm. five years active and then th uh, sort of two and a half. As so you, there's no doubt about it. You just want to get straight back in there, straight out in the battlefield. I kind of, yeah, yeah. I really wanted to be able to go out and sort of make a difference. And it's what defined me. It's what defined my life, which was going nowhere into a life that had purpose, yeah. you know, and that's the, where the unit is and when you walk around there, every single person who's there is walking with a purpose. Mm. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a feeling, I've felt that nowhere else yeah. that I've been, you know, it's mm. a, that which was amazing and I miss it. I didn't want to In the really book, you, you talked about uh, growing up as a kid, you know, you're always looking out for the underdog and, you know, it's part of the reason why you wanted to get into the army in the armed forces and also because of your pop. Yeah. He was uh, he was actually in the, uh, the Battle of Tobruk. Yeah, second 17th. Yeah, so. And, uh, and so that, that, that's one of the reasons why you decided to get into the army and, and, and follow the armed forces. After years of seeing all the other friends go to uni and stuff like that, thinking, I better pull my finger out and do something. Yeah, I mean, they were having fun too. They joined a band. Like, there was a band that got formed. One of my mates toured with a big day out a couple mm. of times. We all sort of, one worked with Optus. Um, the four, four of us are still pretty close, but we live a, we live a little ways from each other. One's moved to Melbourne now. Mm. But um, I just thought, you know, everyone's sort of done something. At what stage am I going to and what's it going to be? Mm. And I had this. He couldn't script it any better. I went and asked my dad. I'm like, Dad, what should I do? Like, 
And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, you, look, you were right. And he goes, I know. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I, sh- I should have gone to uni. I, yeah, I should have thought. Yeah. And he, I'm like, okay, I wonder what. And I just, yeah, I still don't regret not, go- not going to uni. But I was sort of in that spot of going, what do I, what do? I do? Mm. Like, what, what's his spot? And I went down, sat at mum's computer. He worked in IT. He's got an economics degree and a master's in applied science, which he used to hate me for because mm. mass comes naturally to me and it doesn't to him. He hates it. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those sort of moments. And then I look next to mum's computer and there's a photo of my pop. He's just standing there. It was taken in 1983. Mm. He's got all his gongs on and just this cheeky little grin. It was like... Like he's having a time of his life. Like, yeah, he's just... You know, I, I don't know. There's something I saw in it that made me so proud at the moment then ashamed of the fact that I'd wasted so much time. Mm. You know, I'd been the, the centre of my universe mm. for too much time. Mm. So I thought, all right, it's time to, How old it's were time you then? to make a change. I was 23 mm. when I first Still saw so young, it. you know. Looking back on it, you must think, I had some fun and then I... Took on a career. Yeah, I guess a, a bit of fun, but I, I don't know. I like having direction. I like having something mm. like a goal to work for and also something of the sort to keep pushing me, you know, generally. And that's, I mean, that's one of my biggest successes, but it also brings on some of the biggest failures, you know. Mm. You end up in, in a spot and, mm. yeah, I, when I wanted to redeploy it, basically slowly, mentally broke me down, mm. you know, because I, I think I was coming to the slow realisation that the guy who's broken more bones than... You know, I mean, what, quarter of the bones that he's got in his body. Yeah, wow. You're kind of like, well, and it's not that extreme. It's another fishing story. It's, yeah. you know, it was just merely well, a couple of arms, two hands, a wrist. The surgeon said you looked like a mad axe murderer had taken to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, t- it, took, it took me out pretty good. But I got a new nose out of it, which is great. This one looks way it better is, than the original. It is better than the old nose. Yeah. I is. was going to get the number for your surgeon, if that's okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. But, but I've got his card in my pocket. Before we go into the, the actual details of, of the injury and what happened, tell me about the day that you uh, became a, uh, a commando and they handed you the beret. Oh, wow. You, have, um, you go through such a, an intense reinforcement cycle. You know, I think the day that meant the most, uh, when you do the reinforcement cycle, the beret is kind of like the cream of the crop at the end of it. Mm. You know, they give you your beret and you're like, okay, cool. Finally, I can walk around. And you, you are one of those people who you've been walking around for, for the months of doing your reinforcement cycle, mm. which the process has since changed. But, you know, you were one of them. So you actually really fit. You really belong. But I, I remember a moment that was probably the most poignant throughout that process. At the end of the selection course... They, um, they sort of sat 15 of us down in a room hmm. and they had Colonel Hans Fleer, who was amazing. We all looked up to him. He'd done a whole heap of stuff. He passed, uh, I think, for three, three and a half years ago. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was great. And he had 15 of us in the room, so he sort of left in this room, like, looking around going, who's who? He was great. He's definitely brilliant. He was... I wonder what he's... Oh, wait a second. And then you slowly look around. I mean, everyone makes mistakes on the course. It's mm. designed to do that and then see how well you perform under duress. Mm. And it, there was that moment when he looked, he looked at us from the start of the thing and said, congratulations, you 15 people, the people who we're looking for. That's and great. I, I was just like... And then you go. You're signed up, ready to rock. Wow. And that was that just the selection and training course. There was a whole heap of stuff we had to mm. do before that, but that was like the actual, you know, you pass the bar, right? Because be- everything changed. Before you got to Afghanistan, where were you? And, uh, and was, was there some hairy moments along the way? Yeah. Yeah, we did the... Uh, in 2006, we travelled to Fiji when uh, Frank Bainamarama had his first coup. He seized all the weapons off a, 
or seized all the government's uh, ammunition, sorry, mm. out of one of the ports there. So we went and sat off there for eight weeks, which felt like an eternity. Yeah. I mean, you've got that many people in that small of a space. What with do such you do? Movement. I don't know, go slowly crazy, which is what I did. Do you have Xbox? I know. No, <laughs> none of that. But they, and the bastards from the Navy played Groundhog Day for the first two days. Uh, it's, no. yeah. They're playing jokes on you. Yeah, they're having, nah. they're having a great time, but they've got stuff to do. So all we had to do was get our gear ready and then drill getting our gear ready to go and do what we had to do. Yeah. You know, so it was a really monotonous process. Hard to sleep because the, the bunks are like that high, mm. but there's four of them. Yeah. So, you know, we had a big, like our Islander in our, in our team at the time. Yeah. And I put my bag on the top bunk just because I got there first. And then I saw him. I'm like, Sam, you, you can have the top he bunk. He probably mate. needs the biggest yeah, space. Yeah, because I couldn't roll over. I literally couldn't roll over shoulder to shoulder between yeah. the bunks. Yeah, you wow. had to kind of do this to, to get over. And then when you get that many people in that smaller space, it's... Kind of sweaty. But so I, when the eight weeks was up, so what did you have to do in Fiji? Oh, I, we didn't actually do too much in Fiji. Mm. You know, it was one of those sort of just to sit there and wait and ifs. Mm. So that when they were doing drills, the hardest bit of that trip, I think, was one day reality really hit me of, of the choice that I'd made. You know, because it's mm. not, a, I don't believe it's a sacrifice thing, it's a choice. Mm. Our families make the sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think, who people should really be proud of because mm. they go through hell. Yeah. You know, over the choices that we make um, to serve. And... I saw a guy on the trip who had, he had longer hair. I knew him from somewhere. I'm like looking at him going, no, that guy. And I'd passed him two or three times. And I'm like, all right, did you play baseball or cricket on the Central Coast when you were growing up? He goes, mate, I used to play for Tukli. I remember you playing your first game of first grade when you had this long scraggly hair. Josh Porter, how you going? I'm like, good, bro, good, good. And he got, you know. Small world. Yeah, and I was kind of like that. But then we had, they were doing chopper sniper practice drills. And one of the choppers came in hard. We were up on the smoker's deck, which is kind of like a little socialization circle. Yeah. Where everyone could just hang out and, you know, it was full of people. And then I remember hearing a couple of bangs and rotor blades fly, seeing them fly. Whoa. And we'd done, like, training to get out of a chopper, blindfolded training to get out yeah. of a chopper when it's submerged, the whole works. You do all of that type of stuff. So one guy yelled this really theatrical, it's awesome, take cover! And he's that type of guy too. So you kind of do, you're like, all right, I'm I'm taking cover. And then I just ran up after him when we ran up onto the comms deck and I expected to see a chopper sort of slowly twisting and going underwater and there was nothing there. All you were seeing was people slowly pop up. Right. So we were counting people up. They all okay? And we know we had six come up on our side, two went so deep that they came up on the other side of the ship and one of them, uh, Mark Bingley, ca- Captain Mark Bingley, who done the guys had done a lot of work with him. I hadn't personally, mm. but was uh, he was uh, pronounced dead on on the deck. They did what they could to save him, but mm. uh, he didn't make it. And Josh was still strapped into the chopper. Wow! So they had to go and um, retrieve him off the bottom. But then that cut all communications off uh, from the thing. And like you know, when you get that eerie feeling, yeah, like you know, it's it's. I mean, you know, God, it's real. It's yeah, real. or you can't. It's sort of something that you like. I've just got this. You've just found something Weird out. feeling about it. And then... Reality's hit home. Sort yeah. Of thing. So, and, you know, they'd sort of said, you know, we're not saying names or anything like that. So mm. you're kind of watching the news at the same time everyone else is after his whole family mm. had been notified. Yeah. So going on a four-day comms lockdown. Wow. And um, then so, you're looking at the TV and then mm. there was his face. I was just like... Yeah. Does, does that make it all the more real for you as a soldier thinking, you know, that could be me one day and it makes you realise that you really are risking your life by being there because like, I, I went to Afghanistan and Iraq with the tour de force just to do, do some shows for the troops 
during Operation Desert Scorpion, and yeah. it was all a, a little bit of a you know we took a lot of things serious seriously, but nothing was really that real. And yeah, until yeah. this one moment when we got to Kabul in Afghanistan. Kabul, it sounds like a bomb going off. Yeah. And, 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 and there's this, this US um, troop carrier we're, we're landing in and they're letting off flares as, as we're landing. And why yeah. are they letting off flares? Not because someone could be firing at us. Yeah, okay, fair yeah, enough, yeah, that's real. Yeah. And then we landed and then the, um, the Australian uh, army guys who met us on the ground, uh, they had the Land Rovers, you know, with, with the big uh, generators in the back to, to stop mobile phones from working within a thousand meter radius in case there are any IEDs you, you know about those I, I'm pretty sure if you can you can google them can't you yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah cool yeah they do have one of those they yeah. create a bubble around the yeah, car effectively and, so, and, and stuff I mean this us, is in the 50s so yeah, yeah, yeah they're showing us the technology and I'm like wow this is really cool and then all of a sudden they said everyone out of the cars uh, we're not going anywhere because the uh, the president of Afghanistan just landed and they didn't know that he was showing up and he's the number one terrorist target in uh Oh, wow. in the world or in Afghanistan especially. And so they oh. said, oh, we've got to change our, our route to the, um, to the green zone that we're going to in Kabul. Okay, so we waited around for a while, <laughs> changed the route. Um, Did you pulse check through that? But, Did you but, ever have that moment where you're like, I'm at, a, I'm at 120? No, I was okay. Really? You know, other people were a little bit freaked out, but the, the minute I got freaked out is when the uh, officer driving pulled out his gun and showed me how to work it. And so just in case any, you know, we run into trouble, don't fire it away from the windscreen, put it right up to the glass and then fire it. So that way the bullets have got more chance of going uh, yeah, out. I'm yeah, like, yeah, is he just trying to scare scary. me? Yeah, is he messing around? Or is this for yeah, real? If you, the, re the realism of it, if you shoot a gun in a car, it's nothing like the movies. It's the loudest thing you'll ever hear. You'll yeah, but would it, would, so it go, would it go through the, the screen? Would it go through the glass? I think you'd be more shocked by what's happening. Yeah. I, it wouldn't be accurate depending on the angle that it hits mm. the screen at. It'd make the bullet tumble so much earlier. Anyway, we went one way and, and so um, the road train with the US troops and uh, the Afghani president went one way. Roadside bomb went off the way we were going to go about yeah. where my car was wow. and it killed an American troop and yeah. uh, we went the other way and we were told about it and and we were freaking out. We are like, does it mean we're still going to do our show tonight yeah, yeah. or um, still did the show? Everything still went ahead. Wow. But um, that made it all the more real for me and, and also when we were in Iraq, we were... Um, you know, driving to a show and, and our, one of our suitcases fell off the back of the truck. And uh, we're like, oh, where is it? Oh, we need to go back and get it. And, and um, the, one of the US troops showed up and says, is this yours? And it was our, a suitcase full of microphones and it had been blown up because they thought it was a bomb. Oh. They blew it up, so we got our microphones back all melted all. <laughs> Ridiculous. Still standard operating procedure. I don't know, what would you rather do? Would you rather be blown up yeah, by a fake suitcase exactly. or would you rather have yeah. no microphones? But we, we got all the, um, you know, the, the training that, that a civilian person would get when we were going to the uh, theatre of operations, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we, we saw a lot of details about, you know, roadside bombs, IEDs, and how they're set up. And even, even some of the, the homemade weapons like that have two pieces of wood and a washing machine timer tied to a rocket, and then they just leave it, and then it'd, it'd go off into the green zone. And that's yeah, why they have yeah. those big blimps in Iraq that yeah. send off all these alarms that a rocket's coming your way to get out of the way. Actually, I remember... Yeah, right, you just stand there and yeah. just go, oh, you got me if you have. I but, mean, if I run over there, what difference is it going to make? Like, the last thing you want is what to do you look do? back. Yeah, well, you've got, you got those big bunkers and everything like that, and, yeah. and they, they, they had the sirens going off at one stage, and it's like, um, you know, incoming, incoming, and like... And I'm like, yeah. is, it, is, this, is this for real? And everyone's running underneath the, the concrete barrier. And I'm like, well, and, I, and I'm like running. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice come over. And it, it wasn't like, 
I think what freaked me out is, is the fact that it wasn't like, incoming, incoming. The voice was like, incoming, <laughs> incoming. And then uh, as I'm running towards the bunker, all I heard was, this is a test. Oh, wow. Yeah, what? I was about to say that sounds like it's that sounds they like a were test. Messing with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you so got to make sure that people can stay safe. So yeah. it's got to be real as well. Because, mm. I mean, you'd much rather have been put through that than mm. it really happened. Yeah. And then the pure terror and mm. adrenaline starts to dump if you don't know what to do. Yeah. You, know, you kind of like. They need to do that. They, get, they need to test people like yeah. that. I think so. I mean, well, that's the way. That's what a lot of your training before you go on deployment is based mm. on. You know, visualizing things. Mm. Same as sportsmen do. Same as uh, you know, like I say, a, a bowler in cricket yeah. will visualize the delivery that he's going to bowl, mm. run in, and he's just got the uh, the muscle memory that makes it happen. Mm. You know, everything you do has got to be second nature, whether it's with weapons, whether it's just anything like anything of that sort. Mm. It's all second nature type stuff. So. You know, drills are just part of the equation. Mm. You know? So you don't you don't remember in Afghanistan like a day before you actually uh, had the roadside bomb go off, or a day after, according to the book, or a week after, uh, or something like yeah, that. But not really. I mean, it's getting worse as I get older. Mm. Um, but there's like there's parts. I mean, I I remember when when we lost Brett, which was ten days before me, mm. and um, then when we moved sort of through I you can't remember but they, we somehow managed like the ma the most rainfall that Afghanistan's had in 30 years you add water to dust and it just becomes mm. like a quagmire Sludge. so yeah it was one of those I'd snapped the towel shaft one day mm. and they're blaming my driving for it and I'm like dude I'm just following the guy in front of me I'm doing the Not exact thing fault. I'm supposed to do like yeah. really cut me some slack here and then like two days later after we'd replaced it, after we'd sat in the harbour, the same thing happened. And by that stage, we were kind of tired. We'd done something the night before. And I didn't even, I didn't know, I, I can only remember it because the guy said it to me. And um, he still can't be named, but he was yelling abuse at me when I snapped it. I'm yelling it at him. We're kind of doing the, when we stop, mm. we're going to... Have a punch up. Yeah, we're going to, and we're going to get into it, which never eventuates because by the time you've stopped you've both calmed down so it's kind of like just threat city across the thing yelling at each other yeah. and stuff like ah you you no you you and then i like i can remember that happening i can actually remember having that moment with him which apparently was sort of the day or two before my incident happened yeah right okay so yeah so do you, with your incident i mean i guess the other guys would have put things into place as to what happened that day but you, you were following the uh the road train again or were you at the front or yeah no we were vehicle number five yeah. so i mean there's, so, there's, so that was detonated by a mobile phone did they figure nah, out they kind of yeah there was no, someone there's there. no way around that um what we think because of the when we looked at the route they tried to sort of put together how it had happened there's you know there's boulders sort of on your route you travel in each other's wheel tracks. The best thing you can do mm. in that situation, in any situation where you're playing for keeps, is minimise the chance of something going wrong. Mm. And that's it. All you can do is minimise your risk. Yeah. So we, we were driving in each other's wheel tracks on the way up, and um, the, the, I think one of the hard bits for me is that there's one of our scout snipers said to the boss, "Is like, mate, if I was gonna." If I was going to put something anywhere, I'd put it there. We should sweep there. And he goes, what's your fascination with sweeping hills, mate? We've got to get guys under target. Mm. And that guy was kneeling, facing the convoy as my car went up. You know, so he's number five, hits it, boom. And then all, you know, all hell's broken loose. It's kind of, mm. yeah, ended up in that spot. The guy next to me was probably a touch further away than you are. He only got two scratches on his eye. Mm. And then um, 
yeah, the kid got blown out of the back. He had these 23 on his second tour. Mm. He woke up first, woke up screaming first. It took him a while to find me because everything was, everything's night vision at that stage. You know, we know we know the bomb's gone off. We don't know who's around us, but we can still see. Because sometimes, it, it, you know, when you get a roadside bomb, it can be the start of an attack. Yeah, yeah. So or, battle yeah. stations. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's kind of one of those, you know, a stationary target's always easier to hit than a moving target. So, and one means two, generally. It's, that's, there's just that sort of game. And, mm. um... So when yeah. you woke up in the hospital, uh, it, what were you what were you feeling? I mean, in the book, I think you were just like uh, you, you didn't even realize you didn't have any legs. You're like you, that wasn't what was annoying you. It was, it was I know I, I knew like they'd made it. I think I've been in and out, and they had a lot of stuff like just like all your different morphines and nerve tonics and mm. stuff like that that just gets you. So I kind of knew by the time my brain understood what was happening that I didn't have legs. But my first question was, do I still have my junk? You know, like, do I still have my no. man? Do I still have yeah. my man? And do you and still have like, your junk? Yeah, and they're like, well, yes. And I'm like, cool, continue to save me. This is awesome. All right, I'll just sit back here. You know, so I went from, like, extremely jovial to extremely angry within the snap of fingers when we're in Germany. I mean, I'm like, I, I really like Stephen Ball as an, as an actor. I thought he was... He's, he's been great in things I've seen. <laughs> he came to visit the troops. Yeah, really. And I was just in that mood that day where I've gone, oh, I'm awesome. And now they send the forgotten Baldwin brother. What is next? Oh, no. You know, and I can't believe You didn't like, say that to him, did yeah, you? Yeah, directly oh, to him. No. But his mate gets out this camera and starts filming and oh. goes, keep going, keep going. What? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's all I've got. Like, I, it was, yeah, so it was one of them and uh, the, the Sports Illustrator model or something that came mm. to visit it and stuff like that. A few guests to try and cheer you up. Yeah. Got yeah. no legs, but here's Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. Here's a Sports Illustrated model. Yeah. And I didn't know who she was, which is even worse. I was mm. sort of like, I don't even know who this lady is, but great. But she's cute. Yeah. Here we go. Cool. Send uh, more. Uh, yeah. One uh, more uh, of them, please. Arm round, sort of. I'm just a mess. I'm like, this is really the worst first date ever, but, you know, we'll work on it. I, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I think it was best to see, like, my, my family again. Yeah. And they flew them straight over, so... I had two days in a place called Camp Bastion, which mm. is still in um, Helmand province in Afghanistan. Mm. That's when they first found out. And at that stage, it was touch and go. Yeah. So they'd done everything they could, but they basically had laid me down on a bed with all the gear on me in a space blanket to see whether my body could hold heat. Mm. If it couldn't hold heat, I was gonna die. So they were making that call. Mm. So I, like, I can't imagine what it's like being like my mum on the other end of that call. It was not something you Have know, you spoken to her about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had plenty of times we've sat around the table. Mm. And I think our family's become closer after that, but it's yeah. also woken me up to different things that I think I should have done a lot better. Like what? As, as a son. Like just simple things when it comes to spending time with them or, you know, focusing more on, you know, what's, what's best for the family as opposed to what's best for me. Like not mm. worry about finding my own legs in life, you know, what's, mm. what and who's important to you and why. Mm. Yeah. This is a good opportunity for us both now to look at the camera and tell our mums we love them. Thanks, mum. We love you. I love you, mum. <laughs> Thank you. But please don't give me traffic advice. I know how to drive. I'm 36. Oh, my God. I Isn't it the worst like, <laughs> with your mum in the car and you're trying to drive? Oh, it's impossible. Oh, nag, like, nag, Literally, nag. I'd rather be back in Afghanistan driving. But well, like, that's saying a lot. Yeah. But, no, <laughs> but literally, she still, she still does things like that. We have a good laugh about yeah. it now, which is the good thing. You know, I think when, when you come through something that's as tough as my parents have been through, yeah. and they're both great, yeah. but you, could, you, can't, you can't fault them. But, you know, they just, 
it's quite inspiring to see the way that they've mm. grown out of it. But right. I think the biggest thing that shocked me was when I found out what had happened. You know, I sat, um, uh, my, one of my uncles sat down with me and I'm just like, all right, so you were up that night. They go, they called you straight up. And he goes, yeah. And I said, so what happened? Because I imagine my dad, because he's extremely stoic and calm to just be, you know, he'll be running the equation. Everyone will be sitting down, they'll all be calm, everything, everything will be good, everything's fine. But he's apparently, his head was just spinning like it's hot. He couldn't focus on anything, he couldn't talk to anyone. The uncle said that he had moments where everything was blurry, everything wasn't. The one who was held everything together was the least person I expected, which is my mom. Mm. You know, like, and it's kind of, I always think about that when I'm like, cool. I'd always assumed, I'd made the problem, like, the, the mistake of assuming that she wouldn't have that sort of strength. Mm. You know, so there's different times you can draw on it when something's happening and go, okay, cool. Like, you have no idea what you're capable of. The cool thing is no one else does. Mm. So that's, you know, it brings all that into perspective. And I think little things like us being able to get together. I remember maybe two Christmases afterwards, we kind of ended up in a group hug where mum said, you know, we, th we actually thought we'd lost you. You know, I can't sort of imagine what can't imagine what it's like you know and we'd never been in like an i love you type family you know we're never huggy or any mm. of that you know dad would shake hands mom kiss cheek and then at that one we ended up in like a like sort of a triangle formation mm. and just yeah everyone was sort of is crying a little bit with joy a little bit of catharsis it was to me it was such a drastic change mm. but it really hit home going all right like i made a choice but they made the sacrifice it's a shame that in, in life, uh, sometimes a tragedy is what it takes to bring a family together. But, you know, that, yeah. that's uh, one, I guess, if anything good that came from it, you are closer think, to your yeah. family now. Yeah, I mean, I think it just blew sense into me. I don't think, like, they've, they've, they've always been great. They've always been brilliant. They're, my parents are just phenomenal people. So it was hard. I think it was more just the knocking the sense into me of going, all right, mm. like, don't take that for granted. What about don't your rehabilitation? Do How do they help? Uh, they were great through it. I mean, it was because they they sided with me. Like you know, they kind of unequivocally sided with the way that I wanted to go about doing things, which mm. wasn't always what an OT wanted. I kind of wanted to run my own rock show. Mm. You'd had you know you'd gone from working out two times a day, you know, and being fit as I mean, yeah, sort of as fit as a professional sportsman. You know, it's, it's one of those type yeah. of things you have yeah. to be to be able to get your job done. Mm. So, and then going from that to them saying, no, you can only work out for half hour a day. You know, they were always sort of in there, yeah. sort of backing it up, trying to find something else. But you wanted to fight that and you wanted to work out more and you wanted to... Yeah, I was done. I was like, get to you, the next level. you go in and just look and like say learning to walk again, there'd be people who'd had hip replacements. Yeah. God love them, older people. Mm. And then you'd sit there and wait and you get two laps up and down. And I what? had, yeah, that's it. So but you I wanted mean, to do more. You wanted to say, how come I'm only allowed to do two laps? Yeah, I had this lady come in and yeah. I haven't always been known to be the most subordinate of, pers of people, mm. hence the canimbler thing with the, mm. yeah, with the, the officer. But um, I said to this lady, she's come in and going, look, you can't, you can't be in here at this time of the night. It was like six o'clock. I knew the gym was shut, but light still came in from the outside. Mm. So I'm like, all right, I'll use the bars then. Yeah, that's And there's no idea. one else in the bar, but mm. apparently, it's heavily frowned upon. Well, you were never really one to follow the rules, yeah, were you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, ever. But then she sort of comes in and starts knocking at me yeah. and goes, you know, you can't do that if you're unsupervised. I'm like, yeah, cool, go and grab someone to supervise his love. Mm. I, she, got, I got some work to do. Yeah, she responded badly. 
I yelled back. We all know how an argument happens. It yep. was one of those. Mm-hmm. And then what I didn't realize the next day, I had two breakfasts and I thought, cool, I've finally pissed someone off enough for them to poison me. You know, someone's just messing with me. One of these is laced with arsenic. I'm going to die. All right, fair enough. Turns out they had flavoured milk as well, which I didn't know they had in the rehab centre. This lady walks in. who used to have ample amounts of advice. Really nice lady. And the nurses did a brilliant job. Like, the, yeah, so I regret so many things that I'd said at different stages or in just events that mm. had happened that mm. they were in the vicinity of. You know, I mean, it wasn't not cool at all. They do all do a great job. It's mm. astronomical. I, I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't even go close. Mm. So, but this lady brings in like this flavoured milk and she goes, you know that lady who you told to go and fuck herself? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, she's the CEO. Oh. So I'm thinking who I'm going to have to apologise to. I'm like, all right, cool, General Alexander. Who's the guy who's going to, oh, God, oh, who's going to ring? And then she just comes in with the best line I've ever heard. And we all hate her. Like, yes. Oh, lucky. So from there, I became like their golden <laughs> child because I'd been the only one who was willing to tell this, mm. like, the Wicked Witch of the West to go and mm. have intercourse go with herself. Go and get stuffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about the legs, because they they put them on you in the hospital then. Um, They're quite expensive and and technologically advanced as well, I guess, being in the army and having what happened to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it did, they would have given you the best of everything. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did a, they did a great job. I mean, it took, it took a little bit of fighting to get some different stuff. Um, mainly the Americans were heavily led by what they do. So they got in bed with a, an American, uh, sorry, a German company called Autobock, and they've created a microprocessor knee and then evolved it to basically try and get troops back out into combat because it wow. costs, at the highest level, it costs millions yes. and millions of dollars. Yeah, because you've been trained so for, much. Yeah, for those, for those troops. So yeah. it was to try and get people back into combat. And, you know, I think that's where the first seed of back into combat was planted with me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I mean, this leg's waterproof, which was fantastic. My, one of my really good mates, I'd, I'd argued for maybe 18 months to get this knee that I knew was available. Hmm. I knew that we could get it, but apparently it wasn't approved in Australia. And I'm like, well, how can it be? Every single person in the States I've seen has got it. So I did this talk to DBA and I had it planned. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I've got Gotta 15 get that minutes knee. and by the end of it, yeah. I'm going to get myself to the point where I'm close enough to crying to like look that I'm fighting back tears and then saying all you want's the simple support of one thing that you guys want, like that people won't do it and having people behind your back is it's you should know how to do that. From. I mean, really, they should have just given it to but you. I, yeah, I think there was, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of red tape when it came to it. So I think it's somewhere around the price of a, a new Carrera. Um, what? Yeah, so it's in, like I think it's, grand or something? No, it's, no it's, in, it's in the six figures. But, but the worst, Whoa. the funniest thing, I finally got it. We tested it. We got everything sorted with it. Everything's done. And I'm like, all right, I just want to paddle out into salt water. Mm. You know, because I used to surf a lot when I was young. And I love the taste of salt water. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I say to my mate when he picks me up, we put the, put the like, the 7.6, the, the Mini Mal in the car. 
oh, on his on the roof of his, of his jeep and that. And we're going, we're like, we're going down, and he goes, oh, all right, cool. And I'm like, because we're at the Central Coast at the time. Yeah. We're just going to paddle out of the haven. And he's going, cool, we're going to ruins. I'm like, we're not going to ruins. The surf will be big there. Like, not big. I mean, it was like it was three foot at best. But I'm like, man, I just want to get out into the water with it. Mm. Let's not go too hard too early. He goes, cool, we're going to ruins. I'm like, we're not. We're going to the haven. He goes, dude, I'm driving the car. We're going to ruins. I'm like, we're going to the haven. Ruins. Haven. Ruins. Let's just go to ruins. Whatever. Yeah. I ended up losing that leg. <gasps> no. So I argued for so long and then the leg ended up popping Did off. And I it? had no. Oh, and we no. had we had people from Manly, we had people on the what? beach, search parties in the water, like drowning down. I'm just going, oh God. Like I'm mentally drafting the letter oh, no. that I'm gonna have to write about it. That's shocking. So yeah, and then it was I, I felt so bad. Is it insured? I, I'm not 100% sure how the system works. <laughs> the best thing about it, but... But they like, got you a new one. With the, the conversation with this one, there's, there's so many other guys in Australia. Like, there's another sort of uh, 10 or 12 people who use that knee and they all got the same one. Yeah. You know, so that one speech and one talk gave the green light for 12 people's lives to get better. Oh, you wow. You know what I mean? So realistically, you've, cool. got, you've got guys who now with it strapped on properly can just walk out into the water and swim. Mm. You know, I mean, it's That's great. It, it's one of those things. As you know, it was well, rewarding, but it was still a major yeah. mess up. I still give it to my mate. Yeah, mate, let's just go out <laughs> yeah, Maybe we went yeah. to the beach that you went to. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of uh, you know changing people's lives, I mean, that's one example of you know helping out other amputees. And uh, you, you've got a, a speaking tour going on where you're, uh, you're you're constantly speaking at everything from schools to corporate events. Yeah. Um, have you had any other moments where you know you've changed people's lives? Um, no, I mean, my, the story that I tell really isn't about me. You know, there's, there's still like, I, I guess I'm the through line of that story, but mm. it's about people around me the whole time. Mm. And I was dad giving me advice that was, would ultimately push me down the path. Mm. Well, give me the option to choose that path. Mm. Then the support of the team around me and what makes you a valuable member of a team. Yeah. And then moving from there, you know, what the team did that that night you know on the 4th of April was just mind-blowing yeah you know I mean how 56 minutes on the ground I still don't know doctors don't know how they kept me alive through it you know like that's just phenomenal and everyone being there for me after it mm. you know, I'm just continually meeting new and good people and mm. being able to push yourself so and I you know it taught me I think a lot about Humility, and then this the snowboarding team. I had a great team in Team Utah mm. over in Park City. Um, yeah, that was for the Paralympics. Yeah, so, so you, you've you've gone from you know a horrible accident in Afghanistan where you've lost both your legs. <laughs> uh, what, what what can I do that's that's safe? Not snowboarding. Oh well, that, it was kind of it was the first thing I'd done that felt like me again. Yeah. They uh, Angus Houston was he was a phenomenal chief defence force. He was really really good when it came to injured soldiers, and they mm. took us down. And I had like all these, these, a different type of leg on that I walk with that has like a, a motorbike shock on it. And I'm like sitting in a pair of undies getting ready. Like I've got my boots on the, on the feet and the, you know, my snowboarding pants. And as I'm putting it on, this guy comes up and says, look, you're never going to ride a snowboard again. I'm like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Warren Officer, blah, 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 which makes him a sir. And I'm yeah. like, no, no. So what, what do you do? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm a PTI. I, I said, oh, cool. So you time people running. Do us both a favor and just <laughs> just piss off, yeah, mate. Like, yeah, we I'm go. gonna snowboard my then, ass off. Yeah, well, I sort of we had that back and forth, yeah. like this little thing. And this my old snowboarding coach came up and just basically said, if if you think you can do it, you you, you know, might as well. Like, he's this American guy, really cool. 
And then he gave me the most motivational speech I've ever heard on the lift on the way up yeah, for wow. the first round. It took me two days to be linking tones and writing down with enough ability to still hold a hand up to, to the guy who said it was never going to happen yeah. again and say, never going to happen again, is it? Ah, yeah. Giving him apes. So it was, I mean, it was great, but it was the first time I'd felt like me again. Yeah. You know, and people are like, you're going to fall. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, who cares? I just want to feel that, like me again. Yeah, I just want to I'm feel enjoying like, myself. Yeah, that's it. Like, I love. And you competed? Turning things. Yeah. So I'd raced in World Cups. And the defining moment of that was we're racing in La Molina in Spain, and one of our best riders, um, his name was Matty Robinson, and he had, um, he was a flaminamide kid, he had um, short arms. And trained really hard. Like, no one worked harder than this guy. But on the last tabletop, he hit it, so severed a bit, and hit a rut. And it snapped three bones in his back and two in his neck. And they actually, he wasn't breathing when they got to him. So they got to him in a chopper. That day, my back after, because I broke it in Utah before it, I was like, should I I was going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not um, good. But yeah, so I'd fractured. That, that ended fra- your snowboarding career, did it? Oh, it, it was the beginning of the end. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was riding three weeks after it. The doctor said between two and eight weeks. So I said, cool, three sounds about right. And then, you know, I started riding again. But it was the, it was just like Maddie's situation ended up sort of really ramming home what it could be, hmm. you know, how serious the events were. And that was at the same time that I found out that Cam Baird, who I knew had been killed in action, had won the 100 BC. And I, did, I just sat in my room crying because, you know, the, like, the most deserving guy in the Australian Army to win a VC was never going to see it. The hardest worker that I've ever seen on a snowboard was never going to be able to hold his gold medal up. You know, I was, you know it was just the injustice of that whole thing mm. that just at that stage kind of, I mean, broke me, broke me down that little bit, you know. I mean, it's just And so not, is that what made you sort of go, well, maybe I'm going to can the snowboarding for a while oh yeah I, I came back and i was yeah when i come back to australia it was sort of one of those situations where i'm like and at that stage i'd found out they um they were like well well i think we're going to take journey badenhorst who's a really good rider south uh south african by heritage but lived in australia forever um and a great snowboarder too like yeah she does does really well um she's only missing like one leg which is pretty much a scratch but you know <laughs> she's She's fast, so yeah. so that was that was sort of it, you know. And at that stage, I had no handicap it's factoring system mm. because apparently it's politically incorrect to say handicap system, mm. but it's still a handicap. You're park. not handicapped. You just don't have it's any legs. It's not a factored park. Like I mean, like yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. How can you insult someone by yeah. calling it what it is? Mm. That's a table. That's a chair. I'm handicapped. Um, it's yeah, pretty sort of simple stuff. And then yeah, which they didn't have that for the original mm. Paralympics, so started to think is this what I want to do am I getting the best out of it like I mean I've been to some beautiful places and seen a hotel room a chairlift and a racetrack and that was sort of it Mm. that was the way you'd run it you know and there's a lot of traveling involved and so then you thought okay I've done the snowboarding thing till I've stuffed my back yeah I've I've won won races fractured your what (laughs) L2 vertebrae so I compression fractured it the the funniest thing is the phone call having to ring mom and just like go okay cool oh I'm in no hospital. the I'm old like, mum phone call again yeah, so here I am I think they put painkillers in me oh. at the thing and that also had like an IV one in, in me while I was there so I'm like now's the time to make the call so I make this call and I'm like and I chipped my front tooth as well so neither of these are real and 
So I've so I sort of rung her up and going, look, I got some, I got some news. Mom, another accident. At least I'm telling you this yeah, time. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I've broken my back. She's like, why don't you just pick something that like a normal person would do, something that's not dangerous. I'm like, it's not the worst of it. Because I spent a lot of money fixing my teeth when I was young. Oh, no. So, yeah, I think they went without when I was young to fix my teeth. So yeah. it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, and I've also chipped my front tooth. And then I could hear her. Like, I held the phone away. Oh, and I could hear bills. her screaming, like, just screaming mm. through the phone. I smashed just my teeth out when I was a kid. My dad made me pay for it myself. Oh, really? With, with my um, commercial money for doing a zit commercial when I was a kid. Oh, nice. Bastard. I had to pay for myself. <laughs> it sucks. And, and I had to pay for my teeth. I mean, so, come on. So, okay. Yeah. And then, After that, you've gone, okay, now I want to be an actor. And you got to work in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. How did that come about? I just decided... I had that moment where I'd done so many different things. You know, I'd sort of thought, all right, if, and you, you, this taught me a really, really interesting lesson, especially I was living at Bondi for uh, the first six years, mm. sort of after, I think, where I, so first five years after the incident. And everyone in Bondi is good looking. Like there's not one ugly person in Bondi. It's like they've got, <laughs> they've got like a force field that just keeps them away. And yeah, you're kind of them away. Like we have pretentious to <laughs> Those good looking yeah, people. There are, it's, it is, there's just this, and skinny jeans were in at the time. You can't wear prosthetics with skinny jeans. And, and you're not allowed in Bondi without the skinny jeans yeah, back then. And it or did, a beard. It did, yeah, that's it. Or what, the hair that people have to go like that. You gotta be a, a Bondi hipster time. dude. Yeah, it was, it was like that and I just didn't get it. So I, I was kind of still coming to grips with it until I was like, you have no control over what anyone thinks of you. Mm. And at this moment while I was sitting down um, and I thought, well, what, what would I have done? You know, I, I know I can speak in front of people. I have no problem being me in front of people. Mm. What could I have done? Like, what would I have done if I had have known back then mm. what I know now? Mm. If I didn't care what someone's opinion was about a bad performance or mm. something that, you know you know what I mean I did drama when I was young but and if, you, you love drama when you're a kid and you thought okay let's do the whole drama thing yeah you know, I, I like I like drama especially mm. because the one there were only two guys in the class and every other hot girl out of a year did drama yeah but I was a bit of a nerd so it wasn't like I was any of that was coming my way and so fast um, forward to the Mel Gibson audition when, I, you, when you actually got the role yeah I I'd been at school for two and a half years, mm -hmm. two years, two and a half years. And one of the teachers, I did a song that one of my mates, who, um, yeah, he committed suicide in July, which is really hard. But um, I was doing this song that he did when we were in Afghanistan. He just to, you know, you got to do stuff to keep mm. everyone's spirits up. It was hilarious. It was off Team America. Mm. So he's doing one of those songs and I like started doing it and I'd never been able to cry because that's what I thought acting was literally was that fresh that I thought, you know, you've got to be able to cry. Hmm. And I think part of it was to try and touch emotions and not be associated. Remembering with it. your mate. Yeah. Oh, was it America? Fuck yeah. Uh, no? <laughs> no, no. What song Actually, was it? Was it that one? It was, AIDS, um, AIDS. You've got AIDS. Everybody's got AIDS. I think, AIDS, yeah, AIDS. Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> what song? song was it? They're the I'm only one I'm trying, to remember, I'm trying to remember. And that's, yeah, that's one of the things I remember in like five minutes and then go, oh, it was that one. I'm so lonely. It could have been. I'm so lonely. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. That's it. It could have been that. I got the soundtrack at home. But I was, do I was doing it and I started crying. It was the first time, and this was, this was before it passed. You know, it was yeah. the first time just, you know, just I was taking the piss out of him that I thought about the boys. Mm. You know, and like, what? That was your audition? No, this what? was actually <laughs> in class. Oh, in class, yeah. So like I had sort of there doing the thing and it just, just broke me. And I'd never been able to use anything mm. to actually 
get me to the point. Oh, so that got you into the it to actually, understand your emotions and be in touch with them, and yeah, because they just, say that to be a good actor, you yeah. need to have been through some shit, and you need to understand your feelings and emotions, and and, what and be able to draw to, on yeah. some stuff that might have happened to you in the yeah, past that made you upset. Reality. You maybe have one or two things that made you a little bit upset. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just like yeah, the what Encyclopedia like? Britannica of things that have done it. But so like, you, and you then did the audition, and yep, I got the well. I'm the acting coach. Yeah. Actually, basically said, mate, you've got to get in touch with Nikki Barrett. I said, Nikki Barrett, like the untouchable that just cast Gatsby. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, you just ring up? Like, you know, just kind of being smart. Yeah, just say that I said to call. That's yeah, fine. Th- yeah, thinking that he's taken, he goes, no, I'm actually on my third audition for this part in a movie. So I thought, okay, cool, it's an Australian short or it's, you know, it's an Australian You didn't film. realize it was a Mel Gibson movie? No one told me. Oh, wow. So I'm, I've walked into her office with uh, three sheets of dialogue, the uh, same Bravo company thing that everyone else did. Walked in, waited for my audition. She goes, okay, we do the, read the part, did that. I sat down and talked to her and I said... We're talking about motivation. And I said, you know, she goes, so you do motivational stuff, what motivates you? And I said, well, strangely enough, every day I go to acting school, I see, you know, 18 to 21 year old kids who have no guarantee that this is gonna pay off. I mean, sometimes like 16 and 17, no guarantee this is gonna pay off. And it's such a hit and miss industry, you know, that work, they're working 12 hours a day or eight hours a day at an acting school, then going to night, I'm working six hours a night so they can stay in the city near the school mm. and then repeating the process over and over again. And I'm like, like that's sort of, I just wish I had that drive when I was young. I respected yeah. it so much that, you know, it was, it was motivating that, that, That's me. what made you take it seriously. Yeah, you want to get better yeah. at it. And then, so we're talking about that and having a chat and, um, and yeah, then next, uh, she goes, okay, cool. You know, we spoke about it and sort of shook a hand, gave her a kiss, walked out of the office. And I'm like, okay, I wonder what, this is going to be, it sounds like an Australian series or something like that. You know, all she'd said was it was getting filmed in Australia. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I get this call um, when I was down on, on Coogee Beach. At that stage, I'd moved back to the, the place I've got at Coogee. And um, regrettably, I love it at Bondi. Mm-hmm. And um, I get this phone call off my manager and I was on speakerphone. So I know there's two options. I'm getting fired yeah. or something good's happening. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. And he goes... Yeah, you know that movie that you went for? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you got the part. What? And I'm like, wow. Okay. And he goes, no, there's there's a bit extra. And I'm like, well, what could be better than getting the my first part? And it's a feature film, right? And he goes, yeah, dude, Mel Gibson's directing. I just had that bomb dropped on me when I'm at Coogee. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> like screaming and stuff. I turn to the... The, the girls probably don't the use the like, terminology bomb dropped on you yeah well I think I think I can of all <laughs> yeah, people yeah, I can. can yeah 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 so I turned to her I turned to her like screaming I'm just like this is the best thing ever you know that film yeah. that film I did I, I, I got the part I got the part and guess what Mel Gibson's directing and she was really young at the time she was like 21 yeah. and she goes who's she <laughs> did not know Mel Gibson and I'm that's like, ridiculous it's, it's Braveheart. Like, really? How, are are, we, are we having this conversation? She's like, yeah, yeah, I think I know. Yeah, I haven't watched my, like, <laughs> no, watch one. No, he's not guy. No, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, Lethal Weapons. All the Lethal yeah, Weapons. Yeah, Lethal I mean, Weapon, yeah. yeah, and then he's directing in Apocalypto, which is phenomenal. I love that movie. You know, I mean, yeah. and we were soldiers. I watched that before I joined. That's so cool, you man. You know, and his yeah. role in that was just amazing. And, and yeah. so, working on the film, what was that like? It was a, just a continual learning curve. 
Mm. You know, you're just trying to suck in as much information from all these brilliant guys around you as you can. You know, like uh, says Sam Worthington was always great to sit down and talk to. Uh, Vince Vaughn was brilliant, um, and he's just great to watch do stuff. Like Vince Vaughn's pretty cool. He's dude. just phenomenal. Yeah. He is, yeah, he's great. And um, so is everyone. So like everyone else. And there was a couple of times we'd sort of look at it and go, "This is very surreal. Am I in a reality show that's based on me?" Yeah. Am I? Like, what's happening here? Like, everything's mm. going too well for this to be real. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So you're having that moment and then just watching Vince do all this hilarious stuff to different people. And, mm. like, it was, it was good as well. Like, I had, you know, you'd consistently learn mm. of people that were on set. Like, I learned a really great one from watching Luke Bracey work. And this, this is phenomenal because I remember sitting in acting school and it'd take people, like, half an hour, 40 minutes. Everyone's got their own process or whatever. Yeah. But we were sitting down talking about how Jonathan Thurston, you know, was he the greatest of all time? JT, straight yeah. rugby league player. So and that was when Queensland, when they won, when he kicked that goal that missed and then they ended up winning off his drop goal. Yeah. So it was that year and I'm sitting down playing cards with him at a table and we're talking in an Australian accent to each other. We're just mm. talking Australian, <laughs> you know, and he's got this really switched on Brooklyn accent for it. He's amazing. Yeah, like wow. he's out of this world. Yeah. He plays Smitty Riker in it and he's just phenomenal. But as soon as they call set an action, chucks his cards down, everything changed. His posture touch, bang, stands up, looks over, and I just watched him go over. And that's when he starts saying, you know, you know this girl? She looks like she deserves a real man. <laughs> He's doing that to Andrew Garfield, and yeah. you're kind of like, like, wow. Yeah. He's all of a sudden just slipped straight in without having to do anything. Mm. Slipped straight into, like, the character. And I'd seen people spend hours doing it. You know, I was just like, and he's that good. that He just drops and then does it six times. What was it like working with Mel? He's brilliant. He was great. I mean, like, there's certain moments where you have to switch the smart ass off in yourself. Mm. Like, at one stage when I was getting, like, rescued him, holding Doss, begging him to save me and stuff. And... You know, there's just one part of you that wants to go, help me, Spider-Man. But you're like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll get sacked for that. And then um, <laughs> well, it started raining on us one day yeah. and Mel was walking past and I wanted to go, oh, we didn't get dressed up for nothing. And you kind of <laughs> don't want to start quoting movies from 20 years ago and have him go, let's just send that guy home. <laughs> Take care of that guy. Yeah, well, I think That's we can. That's not funny. Yeah, we can cut that oh, scene. Let's just get it. him out. But yeah, I, it was fun. Well, I, t- I asked his son, I'm like, mm. look, do you reckon that Mel will mind if I tell him a story mm. about my, you know, my then the fiance about um, the who's she? Mm. He goes, yeah, 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 tell him. When he's in a good mood. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, really? He gets a bit okay, grumpy. Cool, well, he doesn't yeah. drink anymore, does he? No. Yeah. No, so um, the coolest party I've been to still pro- would probably be the whole cast and crew down in Meriton in yeah. Goulburn when we were film- filming the Ridge scenes. Mm. You know, I mean, and he was just, he was great to work for. He came out, he squatted down in front of me before we did the heaviest scene that I do in it. Mm. And he said, so what have you thought of? Going, well, I've run through my guy's a right hand. I, I told him everything, the whole backstory that I basically mm. put before it to get me to where I was. Yeah. And he's like, okay. 
Do you give you okay, his number or anything? Go. You keep in touch? Are your friends on Facebook? No, <laughs> no, both the producers yeah. I spent a lot of time yeah. with. Um, I had a great time with one of them because I didn't, I knew he was a producer, but I didn't yeah. quite know how massive of a deal he is. It's all about the is. contacts, man. you got to keep those numbers. Yeah, but he's wearing an LA hat. And mm. Don Mattingly at that stage was the general manager of the Dodgers. And I'm mm. like, Yankees legend Mattingly is, mm. you know, he's managing the Dodgers. How do you, how do you feel about that? So I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. Yeah. We had a half-hour baseball conversation. Yeah, well. I go back to the tent, and so I'm sitting in the tent, and one of the boys goes, what were you guys talking about? You were, like, laughing and just chatting <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, yeah. come on, this is your first rodeo, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it is. And we're talking about baseball, you know? It's, why? He's going, Google this guy. So I did, and then I... Oops. Wow. <laughs> okay, Wow. All right, I had no idea, but then thought, you know, I think it was, and there were certain scenes where I'd mm. sit with the producer, but I think the coolest moment I got out of the movie was, one, the time that you spend with the guys, with the Bravo Troop guys. Yeah. You just, especially, like, Frastorani was great when it mm. comes to the craft. He yeah. wants to share everything that he knows. He was the underbelly guy. Yeah, yeah, and he, I mean, he's phenomenal, and, but he wants to share everything about mm. it. He has his true passion about it. You know, and so does like like Jake Warner and and Goran Klu, the the rest of the guys. Ben Minge is just amazing at everything he does. Ben Minge, it's amazing. Yeah, actually, yeah, he's just every single thing he does, even if it's just having a conversation. The guy is amazing. Mm. So, yeah, I did just sitting down, sort of sucking in as much as you can about how to prep and do stuff for that. You know, Andrew would come out and happily just chill with everyone mm. and make jokes and stuff like that. He's a really jovial person, same as Ben. So it was really cool. Now, like, it was just this sort of moment where we'd run the first scene once and I was, I was kind of grinding my teeth through it because all I could think about was, you know, it was like just wake up, take what you see. And then um, he, go, he walked out and sort of said, I need more, I need more. I just want you to open up a bit. Uh, okay, okay, cool. What'd you do then? So I, I just thought, okay, we'll do, we'll do it again, and, and then so I'll try just, and do it a different way. You're drawing in your emotions more, or what did you do? I'm not sure. I, cried, to do different I way? cried through a couple of them, mm. really. Yeah, like, I mean, just about all of them somehow it worked. Mm. I don't know. I still, to this day, don't know why. Mm. But after the second one, I see Mel running at me. I'm like, wow, okay, this, what's happening here? And you go, yes, and just slap this fire. Oh, oh cool. Like, <laughs> That's so cool. Mel gives it running up. You think wow. is he gonna crash duck on me because he, he thinks I'm a shit actor? Oh yeah, he's just gonna oh. pick me up and just walk me off set. And um, yeah, the, he did. He, he slapped me five and just goes, yeah. Mm. I, and it was interesting too because I was I was always well. I just wanted to give Andrew the best thing to work off. I watched him do so many amazing things. Yeah. That I thought this guy just you know I've got to turn up on my A game just to give him something good mm. to work off. Mm. You know, what I mean, it has to look real from his spot. Yeah. So. We'll work with that, and you know, it's that that was sort of the thought, you know, be able to give him mm. as much as possible. It's amazing, man. You, you've done yeah. so well. To, yeah. I mean, to score that as well, and you, you, oh, did, yeah. you did a brilliant job, but we wouldn't have given it to you if, if you couldn't do it. And and now you're working as a producer on another movie called Tobruk, uh, which is uh, the war that your, your grandfather fought in, who was one of the inspirations for you joining the army. And, uh, and that must be really exciting for you as well with a mate of ours, Andrew McIver. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Andrew's great. And um, it was really interesting too because I got this Tobruk script originally when I wasn't in the mood to read anything. I think it took me a good two weeks to read and then I thought I better read this It took one. me a while to read it as well because I, I like, know him. He's like, you read my script yet? You read my yeah. script yet? You <laughs> <laughs> read my script yet? Goldman, you read my script? And I go, finally read your script. It's good. Uh, it's the exact way he does it as well. Um, 
but yeah, I and I read it and just sort of uh, fell in love with the way that he's created the characters, just the true romance of the 85 letters. Mm. You know, it just meant so much. Now, to me, it's that it's just the raw truth of, of how one guy felt. Yeah. You know, I really like seeing things through that perspective. Like you say, the social network was made and it was a conglomerate of mm. the the twins, um, mm. Andrew Garfield's character yeah. and Eisenberg. So, like, you know... It's, it's going to be a great film if it gets made. And, you know, yeah. and, and Tobruk is, is such an incredible part of Australian war history. And um, I mean, the rats of yeah. Tobruk, I mean, that's what uh, North Bondi RSL, just next door here to North Bondi Surf Life Saving Club is is named after. But we've, we've gone for ages here. You're probably exhausted. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> I birded the first at New South Wales today. I just wanted to let everyone oh, know. Oh, yeah. That. It's like my second birdie, I think, in my entire golfing career, and it was at New South Wales. So, so you're an incredible golfer. No, nah, you, you, not necessarily. like everyone to know about that. He has no legs and he plays golf better than anyone that's watching this right now. Not really. It's diamonds and duck shit, predominantly the second part. Um, well, so you birdied. The, the, the first. The first. That's yeah. pretty amazing. And Straight then under the I course. then just switched off. Usually it takes me like, two or three holes to be, even be able to get, you know, two above par. <laughs> yeah, no. You birdie the first. Yeah, and then it was just disgusting from there. Maybe your legs yeah, are an advantage. Well, they, they're worth like a million dollars or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't You're know. Cheating. Yeah. You're cheating. <laughs> you don't deserve that birdie. Damien Tomlinson, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. I mean, it, it's such a privilege and an honor to have you on the show and, and to talk to you and call you a mate as well. Yeah. Really good. Let's go and have a drink because it's Australia Day tomorrow. Yeah. Unless we're moving it. Are we moving it? I don't know. I try to stay out of the political sphere of, the poli of that. I definitely give the stay Aboriginals their own day. If, if, Yo, if the I Aboriginals have... of Australia win their own day, give them that. And, and if, yeah. they, if it upsets them so to me, much, to me it's fair have enough. it on a different day. Whatever. To me it's fair enough. It's, it's what a day's called, you know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. If it brings people together... I'm happy with it. If it started a civil war, then yes, change it. Yeah, you know I mean? it's if, just a day. Yeah, it's it's a word. Mm. You know, what I mean, guys, why is everyone getting so carried away with the word? You know, my we, true you know, belief we... is that people, regardless of it being religion, sexual orientation, anything, as long as it doesn't involve bad shit with children, because yeah. yeah. they're the type of guys who you kind of go over wanting to oots. But um, mm. you know, like anything like that, I think people should have the right to choose, you know, and that's mm. one of the things I sort of that's the bit that I feel proud of that I made the choice to go and fight for those people so that people can have the right to choose those particular freedoms that people have in their mm. in in their lives. You know, I think that's a it's a critical part of you know, I mean it's well it's a God given it's a right. Mm. You know it is I mean? a right is. to celebrate our country, celebrate yeah. Australia. I mean if we don't have it on Australia Day, they'll, we'll move it to another day. Will they still complain about that? Yeah. It's just a day. Yeah, but still, yeah. are these the same? The question I always think about, are they the same people who are complaining that the, the curtains were going to, like, fade extra when daylight savings kicked in? Because the extra people hour People get offended sunlight, and complain you know, far too easily these days. But there are so many other subjects, which I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about in the next episode of On The Mic. Thank you so much, yeah. Damo. Check my hand Cheers, again. Mike. Let's Appreciate go and have it. a beer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 